Bible with you today, you might want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verse 5. Matthew 6, reading from verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, will you join us uh, as we uh, have been thinking in this this new year, 2018, about the fact that God is doing uh, a new thing. And during the month of January, we were thinking of all the different new things that God was doing. But the new thing that God is doing in February is uh, is the prayer course, which we've already uh, referred to, which we are encouraging people to participate in. And uh, it's not too late to join if you've not already joined in a prayer course. They're meeting in different people's homes and on a Wednesday here at church. And on a Sunday morning, we're kind of uh, looking also at this uh, whole theme of uh, of praying. And uh, it's all focused around the Lord's Prayer. And uh, last week we were looking at the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. And we were looking at Jesus' routine. And that was about the place of prayer. Uh, We looked at the disciples' request. uh, Lord, teach us to pray. And that was about the perfecting of prayer. And we looked at Jesus' response. uh, And that was the pattern of prayer. And... uh, This week we're continuing to think about the Lord's Prayer, looking at it in Matthew's version, Matthew chapter 6. John Altberg says this about the prayer. This is maybe the most dangerous, exciting, life-altering prayer a human being can pray. You didn't know that, did you? You just thought it was the Lord's Prayer that we know off by heart heart and uh, we we can recite uh, with our eyes shut. But did you know it's okay to pray with your eyes open? Did you know that? You can pray with your eyes open as well as shut. Uh, but John Altberg says this is a dangerous and exciting prayer to pray. And uh, we're going to be looking into that today. Uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray. That's what we're thinking. Now, uh, N.T. Wright says the biggest problem with most people when it comes to prayer is the simple failure to pray. We don't pray because we don't get it. It's not sunk into our thick skulls. That's him saying we've got thick skulls, not me. Uh, that God has actually made much of what he intends to do in the world dependent on praying. Interesting idea that we don't 
pray because we don't get it. And uh, some of us might want to say amen to that. Or maybe not. (laughs) So we continue to think uh, about the fact that Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. That the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, uh, Michael Green says, talking about Lord's Prayer, it's really the disciples' prayer. And it's only as we enter into the life of discipleship that we really can appreciate its meaning. When you pray, say, finding instruction in the Lord's prayer. In this passage in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus begins, though, by talking about how not to pray. Uh, How not to pray. And he talks about the things that we shouldn't do. There's do's and don'ts. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Uh, Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. It talks about going into your room. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. So, in teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, don't pray like this. Don't pray like like those people pray. But pray like this. This, then, is how you should pray. This, then, is how you should pray. And this week I want to focus in on, on this second part of the Lord's Prayer. We looked at our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, last week. And this week I want to look at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course this is a, pre- a preacher's dream. This is a preacher's dream because even you can see how neatly uh, this could be split up into three kind of separate things. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost as if it was meant uh, to be preached and taught about. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. Uh, in Luke, he, he, Luke tells us that the disciples asked him, how should we pray? And we mentioned last week that we all need teaching on prayer. We all need teaching on prayer. We all need to be taught how to pray, as I, as I said earlier, uh, the position of prayer, you can pray with your eyes open as well as your eyes shut. And uh, of course, some people argue about what the right position is to, to take up when you are actually praying. Uh, a priest and a minister and a guru uh, sat discussing this. What is the best position for prayer? Uh, the priest said, well, obviously it's kneeling. Kneeling is the best way to pray. Get on your knees. No, said the minister, I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. You're both wrong, said the guru. The most effective prayer position is lying down flat on your back on the floor. As they were having this discussion, there was a a repairman. uh, uh, And he said, had to interrupt them and said, the best prayer I ever prayed was when I was hanging upside down on a telephone pole. And some of us have prayed those prayers, maybe not hanging upside down on a telephone pole, but uh, in an angel. But Jesus said, uh, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And uh, when we think about your kingdom come, it's about living under God's reign. You see, if there's a kingdom, there has to be a king. And of course, the king is Jesus. And Praying your kingdom come is about living under God's reign. Today's forecast, God reigns. 
and the sun shines. But not in Rosendale. <laughs> only joking, only joking. Your kingdom come, living under God's reign. Your kingdom come. But what does that mean? When we pray, your kingdom come, because we all pray it, and as I said, we pray this prayer often, very often without thinking about what we're actually praying. And if John Orberg is right, that this is actually a dangerous prayer to prayer, as well as an exciting prayer, maybe we need to think a little bit about what it actually means when we pray for God's kingdom to come. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something that, that Jesus spoke about very often. In his first recorded sermon in Mark's Gospel, he says, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus spoke and preached about the kingdom of God an awful lot. Um, he said in Matthew 6, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And of course, uh, lots of the parables uh, are about the kingdom, about the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus often starts a parable saying, the kingdom of God is like... And then he'd go on to say the kingdom of God is like a, a man who sows good seed, a net thrown into the sea, a tiny mustard seed, a buried treasure, a merchant serving for, searching for fine uh, pearls. And he would liken the kingdom of God to something that we can understand here on earth. So the kingdom of God, the message of the parables of the kingdom of God is for all. The kingdom of God is where sinners are welcome, where salvation has arrived in the person of Jesus. Repentance is required before entering the kingdom. The kingdom is for the poor and lowly, and the kingdom should be rejoiced over. Just some of the messages of the parables about what the kingdom is. So when we are praying, your kingdom come, we're praying for these sorts of things. And the kingdom of God is good news. It's good news for the poor. It's good news for the sinner. It's good news for the outcast. It's good news for the hungry. It's good news for the refugee, the tired, the persecuted. So when we're praying, your kingdom come, we're actually praying a prayer that is good news, uh, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Do you notice that in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus teaches uh, the disciples how to pray, uh, we get quite deeply into the prayer before there's anything about ourselves. You know, it starts off, uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, about worshipping God and giving God adoration. And then it talks about God's kingdom and God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, uh, it, the prayer doesn't start with ourselves. Most of our praying, most of my praying, and probably most of your praying, is centred around ourselves, our situation. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if that is all our prayers are, our prayers are actually quite self-centered prayers, rather than this prayer is a God-centered prayer. It begins with God. It begins with the Father. And then it talks about the Father's kingdom. And that's what we're praying for, his kingdom to come. N.C. Wright says, to pray your kingdom come is at Jesus' bidding, meant to align ourselves with his kingdom movement. So if we're praying for God's kingdom to come, we're actually aligning ourselves and saying, we're living under God's reign. We're allowing God to reign in our own lives and praying for his kingdom to come in our lives and in our church and in our world. Uh, Malcolm Duncan in his book Kingdom Come says the kingdom of God is the rule and authority of God himself being worked out on earth. In his rule and authority God intervenes to rescue 
preserve and to save his people, puts right the wrong in the world and manifestly establishes justice and righteousness. In Jesus' teaching and example of the kingdom, there is an important tension between the here and now and the yet to come. Ultimately, justice and righteousness will be established by his return. So when we're praying for the kingdom to come, we're praying for it to come now, here and now, amongst us, but we recognise that it won't fully come until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom. So there is a, a king, in, when we think about the kingdom, there is a now and not yet to it. Uh, when one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is or over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. The kingdom of God is already here amongst us. It's not fully come, but it is here. It came when Jesus himself came to earth from heaven. Sometimes we sing, don't don't we, Uh, about from heaven you came, gentle babe, entered our world, your glory veiled. So the kingdom of God is, is now and not yet. There's a now and a not yet aspect to the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. So we live in this tension between the establishment of God's kingdom and the consummation of God's kingdom. And uh, some Bible scholars call this tension between the already aspects of God's reign and the not yet aspects of God's reign. Through Jesus, our sins are forgiven, yet because of the not yet, we still struggle with the power of sin in our lives. Through Jesus, our salvation is always guaranteed. We're promised complete healing and restoration when Jesus comes again. But because of the not yet, our bodies still get sick and we still struggle with doubts and fears. Already the powers and evil and darkness have been defeated on the cross. And yet, because of the not yet, there's still evil and darkness in our world. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're not asking for the already part But we're looking forward to the not yet part. We're praying, bring your kingdom in. And it's a good prayer to pray. To just take this aspect of the Lord's Prayer and to pray, your kingdom come in my family. Your kingdom come in my workplace. Your kingdom come in this situation. Your kingdom come in our world. To be praying that as we are going around and moving about in our everyday business. To have that prayer on our lips and in our mind. Bring your kingdom into this situation, Lord. Bring it now. Uh, again, Malcolm Duncan says, The church is called by the same God to live out the same kingdom principles today as the first disciples two millennia ago. We pick up the age-old call to be bringers of God's rule and reign in our own communities today. We stand with the poor, the excluded and the marginalised, because that is where God is standing. Because it is instinctively right. It's because we as followers of Christ have had our lives reorientated around the message and missions of God, which is the establishment of his kingdom, that our local churches would also be orientated around the same message and mission. And God's mission is the transformation of the world. That's why it's a dangerous prayer to pray, your kingdom come. Because it's about God transforming people's lives. And we pray it as people who have been or are being transformed into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So... Your kingdom come, when we pray that, it's about living under God's reign. 
We're living under the King who is Jesus and we recognise it in our own lives. And then secondly in the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And your will be done is about living under God's rule. And uh, Ian's already introduced us to the idea of rules. And uh, we don't really like rules if we're honest, do we? Um, some of us see rules as be there to be made to be broken. Some of us see them as to be uh, ignored. But by and large, we don't like the idea of having to live our lives by, by rules. Because we think rules are there to stop us enjoying ourselves, don't we? You know, when you see the sign that says, do not walk on the grass. Uh, the temptation, of course, is to is to put your foot on the grass and see what happens. You know, if you break the rule. Um but to understand what Jesus was saying in this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, uh, is about living under God's rule. And we do that not um, thinking we just we, we, we wish we didn't have to or begrudgingly. We live under God's rule in delight and enjoyment because we choose to. We choose to say yes to God before we know even what he's going to ask us to do, which is a little bit dangerous. And that's why it's a dangerous prayer to prayer. I mean, who would write a blank cheque and hand it out other than our treasurer, obviously? (laughs) Only joking, only joking. We don't do that anymore. Um, But you know what I mean? Uh, Your will be done is actually saying to God, I'm going to say yes before I even really fully know what it is that you want me to do. My answer is yes and amen. Living under God's rule. Your will be done. Of course, we live in a world that that likes the phrase, I did it my way. Did you know this is one of the most popular songs to have at somebody's uh, funeral service? And uh, I can can vouch for that because I've I've done many funeral services where people have chosen to have the song, I did it my way. It was Frank Sonata who made it famous. I don't know if it's his original song. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've travelled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. And of course, the, the, the reality of it is, um, there are times when that's how we live, isn't it? You know, we want to do things my way. And... Uh, Yes, we'll allow God uh, into our lives, but to, to give God complete control and, and, and to let him have complete rule and authority in my lives and, and no wriggle room for me to do things the way that I want to do, it could sound a little bit inhibiting. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, there are two kinds of people, those who say, God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right, then have it your way. Um When we decide that our way is the best way, we're actually saying we think we know better than God. We think that we know better than the creator of how we are meant to live. And lots of people choose to live life their way without any uh, recognition or relevance to God. And at times we have to admit and confess that so do we. That's how we live. But actually... Your will be done living under God's rule. It's not about doing things my way. It's about doing things Yahweh. Boom, boom. Yahweh is the the, the Hebrew name for for God, in case you didn't didn't know. uh, 
It's not my way, but Yahweh. Uh, we have to choose. Living under God's rule is about saying, your will be done. The will of God. Of course, how do we know what the will of God is? How do we know what the will of God is in a situation? How do we know if we're going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done? How do we know? How do we know what God's will is? Well, we have this, this book called the Bible. Uh, that if we read it and we study it, we'll get an idea for the sort of things uh, that might be God's will. We'll read about Jesus' life and we'll see how Jesus interacted with people and how Jesus treated people and we'll recognise God's will in that. And so when we come to our own lives and we're making decisions about what is the willing of God in our lives, we'll be instructed by what the Bible said about how Jesus lived, about how Jesus died, about how Jesus uh, rose again. We will recognise these things and they will help us to discern what the will of God is in our own lives. Jesus lived completely under God's will. My father, this was in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it is possible, take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And I wonder whether we can say that in our lives, as you will, to God. Again, it's a great prayer to pray in each and every situation. When we come into situations to pray, you know, your will be done in this situation, as you will. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord, in this situation, Help me to choose and to do what is within your will. And very often we imagine that, that God's will is going to be taking all the fun out of life, like the rules for, for, for baseball or whatever. When actually, if we study the Bible, we'll find out that God is for us. We'll find out that God loves us. We'll find out that God wants the best for us. We'll find out that God wants us to live a life to the full. And that God wants us to, to live a life of, of, of joy and, and celebration. And that God isn't this big spoiler in the sky who wants to stop us having fun and enjoyment. But his divine will is to make us into the people that he wants us to be. And the church that he wants us to be. As you will. I wonder whether we say that in our lives. When we're making the big decisions in our lives, do we say... As you will. Not my will, but your will be done. Not an easy prayer to pray. And it is a dangerous prayer to pray. The paper, this is uh, Timothy Keller. The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mould my will into his. Sometimes when you listen to people praying, it's almost like we've already decided what we're going to do here, Lord. And we need to persuade God to come in line with us. And to fit in with what we're doing. When actually Jesus in teaching the disciples how to pray. He said your kingdom come. That's God's kingdom. That's not our kingdom. Your will be done. That's what God wants and not what we want. We have to be moulded into his way. Your will be done. Living under God's rule. And then our father in heaven. How be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. We don't talk about heaven much, do we really? We don't think about uh, heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven is about living under God's realm. It's about living under God's realm. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. 
Uh, but the reality is we have a dual citizenship because we actually live in earth, on earth and uh, we tend to think of heaven as a place where we will one day go. Again then, T. Wright says, we have been used to seeing heaven as a place separated from earth, somewhere far away, way beyond the blue. But that's not how the Bible sees it, not at all. The point of God's split-level good creation, heaven and earth, is not that the earth is a kind of training ground for heaven, but that heaven and earth are designed to overlap and interlock, which is, by the way, the foundation of all sacramental theology, with the sacraments as one of the places where the overlap actually happens. I like that idea that heaven and earth overlap, that there are places where heaven and earth meet. You see, we do tend to think of, of, of heaven and earth as, as, as being a, you know, we live on earth and one day we will go to heaven. It's a bit like the Sunday school teacher who was a little bit concerned about whether the, the, the children really understood uh, the gospel. And she was saying, you know, what do I have to do to get to heaven? If I, if I, if I sell my, my house and sell my car and give all my money to the church, do I get to go to heaven? And the Sunday school children all responded, no. He said, what about if I clean the church every day and mow the lawn and, uh, and keep everything neat and tidy? Do I get to go to heaven? And the children all respond, no. He said, well, what if I'm kind to everybody and treat animals nicely and give sweets to children? Would I get to go to heaven? And the children all shout, no. And she says, well, what do I have to do to get to heaven? And a small five-year-old boy shouts out, well, you've got to be dead. <laughs> and sometimes that's how we view heaven, isn't it? It's about some place where we will eventually go, rather than what we see in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, where we are now, as in heaven. And so it seems to me that there's this overlap, that there are places where heaven and earth meet in the here and now. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to be recognising those places where heaven is actually breaking into earth. And as followers of Jesus, we can actually pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, living under God's realm here on the earth. On earth as it is in heaven, living under God's realm. Uh, you may remember John Otberg when we did the, the study, God is closer than you think. You had this thing about God make up there, come down here. God make up there, come down here. And it was a prayer for now, it was a prayer for today. And it can happen. Up there can break into down here. It can happen every time you're in a conflict with someone and you want to hurt them or gossip about them or avoid them, but instead you go to them and seek reconciliation and forgiveness. The kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. Every time you give money to the poor, the homeless or the hungry, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. Every time you love somebody, you include somebody who's lonely, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. Every time you encourage someone who's defeated, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. Every time you challenge someone who's wandering off the path, every time you serve others, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. Every time we love our neighbour as we love ourselves, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done gladly, willingly, completely and joyfully. 
Our prayer should should be, may it be like that here on earth. May there be a foretaste, a touch of heaven about the way that we live and operate on earth, our decisions, our communities, here and now under the pressures and the cut and thrust of earthly living. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. There's no place where God's presence cannot break into. And so we pray that prayer. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven is about living under God's rule, realm. Your kingdom come is about living under God's reign. We're saying that God reigns and that we have a king who is in control. Your king, your will be done is about living under God's rule. It's about accepting God's rule in our lives. It's about willingly seeking to do his will as opposed to our will. And on earth as it is in heaven is about living under God's realm. It's about recognizing those places and moments when heaven breaks in and praying for more of those moments. And so let's say the Lord's Prayer together. But let's do it with our eyes open, thinking and praying and bringing in. So we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen.